0: Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 246 of Dublin Dane. My name is Tim, and joining me, as always, Dublin Dane himself. Dane, how's it going?
2: It's going good. Um, I have a question for you, Tim.
1: You always love it when we start the an episode off with a question.
2: Um, it's a little different this one. Uh, I've just been thinking about it. Um, so Prince, right? Okay. Is he the most famous Jehovah's Witness? He is, I would,
1: right? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the time, Michael Jackson too.
2: Oh Michael Jackson was a
1: yeah, he was yeah, he was, his husband. whole family was raised as so
2: yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, so Michael Jackson then is the yeah. is the most or I don't know. You're you you're really uh splitting hairs there. know Who's better, Michael Jackson or Prince? You know?
1: Prince I would say musically is definitely the more talented one. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he could really uh, play, a, play a good guitar on there.
1: Oh, yeah, there's that famous... Um, was it was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I believe it was? Or was it the Grammy show where they are doing a tribute to George Harrison and he just went uh, the crazy on while yeah. my guitar gently reads? Right. Yeah, yeah. Well,
2: I guess, yeah, I guess we're sticking with Prince now. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: And the question has been answered.
2: Sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack (laughs) those on my weird mind.
1: You never know what Dane's going to be asking to kick off an episode. Well, I guess one thing we can continue, we starting off an episode, as always, is our Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring minute-by-minute commentary. And this one, we're going to be going from minute 34 to minute 35. So as always, you want to grab your VHS copy, your DVD copy, your Betamax tape, your LaserDisc, your HD DVD, your Blockbuster membership card to go rent it, your Netflix physical media, uh, red envelope, your DVHS copy, and your UMD can't forget that. And as always, your VHS to DVD converter copy that you just made from your PC. So pick any of those wonderful media formats. And can begin the countdown. Dane, are you ready?
2: Yeah, I am.
1: All right, three, two, one, play. Uh, <laughs> I actually jumped ahead. Actually, when I hit play, like the next few seconds, so. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Uh, we we gotta cancel the whole commentary now. Go back from the very yeah. beginning. Because <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's important, Tim. Now, this is the most important thing in science fiction and fantasy, is to see somebody studying. That's the most important part,
1: right? <laughs> well, you just saw that look of shock on Gandalf's face when you <laughs> pretty much realized that the one ring was in, <laughs> he left in the Shire with Frodo. That was my face, so I realized I skipped ahead a few seconds. <laughs> And of course, you had to you had to be worried for a little bit about that dog. Yeah, <laughs> so that he thankfully made it back into the hobbit hole right there.
2: So, so that guy has been changed for the rest of his life, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> he's never leaving the house again.
1: I mean, hobbits don't like to leave their house and shire in general, yeah. so <laughs> I don't think that guy's going anywhere for a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> And that is our minute for this episode of the Fellowship of the Ring minute-by-minute minute commentary. But of course, our Lord of the Rings conversation isn't going to stop there, because last week we just had the finale to the Rings of Power season one. And before we start, let me make sure, Dane, you did see it, right?
2: <laughs> yes, I have. Okay, I've seen House of the Dragon. I have seen um, Rings of Power. The only thing I haven't seen, Tim. No, don't, don't kill me for this, Tim.
1: I think I know which one you haven't seen. <laughs> Do not
2: murder me. Do not fly over here and murder me, Tim. I haven't seen Adler yet. Okay. The the last two episodes. Oh, have, the last
1: Tim. two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. see, so I could let it slide if you missed the first one, but I don't know <laughs> these two, last uh, two because okay. just some of the two best episodes yet of the series. So. <laughs> Dang, it's After you saying it, it was is, your favorite show out of all of them, I'm I'm a little there, disappointed. Is,
2: is there more with Mon Mothma?
1: Oh yes, more okay. great stuff with Mon Mothma.
2: Okay, I see. Well, I am um, I am slapping myself in the face right now. <laughs> I We're just yeah uh but anyway uh rinse of power yeah.
1: yes <laughs> so yeah it, sadly it's over i, I miss i already missed Friday nights of going to middle earth but um yeah the finale overall I thought it was great I thought it wrapped up the season one storyline nicely and answered the questions that we had because as i mentioned on our last episode I would hate for the season to end and yet they're still kind of teasing you dangling the carrot of what of who these characters are, who is actually is Sauron, who is the Stranger. We got those definitively answered, in my opinion. With the Stranger, you can make an art case that maybe it hasn't been fully revealed yet, but we know he's one of five people. <laughs> but, uh, so I was glad about that. And for me, overall, doing it mostly in a satisfying way, too. I was completely engaged, got some cool moments. I have one uh, complaint that I'll get into, but overall, I was really happy with how this first season wrapped up and how it's setting up the stage for future seasons. And now that we know who these characters are, I think we can fully move into the story moving forward of forging the Rings of Power. So uh, I was really happy with the finale.
2: Yeah, this finale really sort of um, brought things together for me because I sort of kind of sort of agree without being, uh, you know, Vulgar about it or loud about it or whatever, but like I sort of agree that uh, it kind of seemed aimless for a little bit, uh, especially with those two storylines, Hallbrand and mm-hmm. uh, the stranger. Uh, but it totally made up for it with this finale, you know. With, with um, uh, I mean, you guys, gamble. <laughs>
1: yeah
2: the stranger the, the stranger is Gandalf he had that line about using his nose right Always that's what that's what nose.
1: sealed the deal for me right. was
2: like, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah Gandalf said the same exact thing in uh Fellowship of the King so yeah he is Gandalf and um Halbrand is Sauron um so yeah like I, I really like how it, it sort of came together at the end and um Again, Hallbrand was a character I really didn't like. I didn't really get. With the whole secret, I'm a secret king thing. Oh, Oh, no, I cannot be a king because yada, yada, yada. I don't want to be a king because X or Y, right? We've seen that before, and uh, I didn't like it the first time, and I don't like it this time. And um, I really like that sort of reveal that he has with Galadriel in the garden, where he's like... Or Galadriel's like... Um, you know, there's there hasn't been a king in the South for X amount of years. And, you know, the last king didn't have an heir. And he sort of, like, shifts her reality and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's on the boat. She's with her uh, brother in that field. Um, yeah, it's, it's so well done. So, yeah, like, this final episode really sort of, Really brought things together for me, and and now I can look back and be like, okay, so like, again, like Andor, uh, slow, dripping storyline, right, and um, it really came full circle at the end, and you you know, you can kind of look back, and um, I mean, I guess the only thing would be the the Numenor storyline, where it's kind of like, unresolved, okay, they just went back home, you know, where's Isildur, that sort of thing, but like, the other major storylines I guess, I guess you could say, uh, oh also the uh, uh, Cosmic Doom one storyline, which is sort of like, Oh, okay, so like we're gonna go in our hidey hole and <laughs> you know, you, you you're gonna go create the Rings of Power. Um, sort of thing. I mean I guess that's an ad, but uh yeah, you can kinda of look back and be like um, yeah, that was a that was really good storytelling and a really good first story for the first season.
1: Yeah, so one surprising thing as watching in the finale was how there were certain storylines that weren't featured at all. Like I guess we're, they felt were wrapped up in the penultimate episodes. Basically, uh, as you mentioned with Durin and everything with the dwarves and cause of doom, they were not in the finale at all. And then the story with Arandir and the men of the south, all that stuff. I guess they felt was wrapped up, which I agree with because one of my complaints about some of the earlier episodes there was too many storylines going on at the same time. And sometimes it just slows the momentum down. So I was glad that this one just focused on two of them, the two biggest questions that we had of revolving the stranger and the Harfoots and then Galadriel, Elrond, and now we know Sauron with halbrand So I I think that's why the finale worked really well It's because it was just more focused on those storylines. And yeah, I, I'm i with you on the reveal of Helbrand being Sauron because, I mean, I can't say it was a huge surprise because out of all the speculations that I was seeing, on social media and online about who Sauron was going to be, Halbrand was the biggest one of who it probably was and that ended up being the case. But still it was just it was a great reveal and made the most sense I think because as you said and as we said on previous episodes when we we're talking about the Rings of Power, that whole storyline of of oh, the reluctant king again felt very repetitive like Aragorn, but now it makes more sense where that was never really <laughs> A, a goal that Hellbrand's lost. Sauron was attaining to, just kind of using that to his advantage. And now, when we knowing that that's not going to be a storyline moving forward, it it works for me now, where it was just something kind of throw a little in there as a red herring to throw you off, but um, it worked well. And I just really love that whole sequence with his conversation with Galadriel, um, and just how he's trying to, you know, try to get her on her side. The, Sauron is the master of seduction and trying to. Uh, get people to do his will, and he was trying that with Galadriel, and how he was, you know, doing everything he could, <laughs> going back to her past, with, using her brother, and just uh, trying to do everything he could to have her join him. But uh, and she refused. And that moment, probably my favorite shot of the entire series so far, is where the camera pans where they're on that raft, and it pans uh, t- down, or I shouldn't say pans down, but it flips over to the shot of the ocean, and you see the reflections of Sauron and his armor this classic looking armor and galadriel um she looks like she's wearing kind of like a, a more royal gown with look like maybe some armor hints of armor on there too but uh it's just such a great looking shot i just love kind of what that shot is implying of what if the two of them were to rule together because we know uh there's that moment in fellowship of the ring where frodo offers galadriel the ring of power and she says how um uh, she would use and how she would rule middle of earth as a queen and how she passed that test and this is kind of not necessarily a foreshadowing but what could have been yeah if she did take it and she was ruling with sauron so just like a lot of cool implications in that one image that just makes you think what could be if she actually did uh succumb to sauron's uh um, offer and she joins up with him but this visually too it's just a striking image i absolutely loved it and that's now my twitter header image <laughs> i like it so much i made it that so yeah all that was great and going back to the reveal of the stranger as being definitely an astari and 99 percent gandalf <laughs> but um they kind of they tried to throw you off with uh, those three mystics um searching for sauron and they actually tell him like you are sauron but part of me thought um, I would have been disappointed if that was the case, but once since it was so early on in the episode, it was like in the first five minutes, like the opening prologue of it, where they make that announcement, you just kind of knew, yeah, that's not going to be the case, because we've been waiting so long to find out who Sauron is, they're not going to reveal it in the first few minutes of the season finale. <laughs> they're going to save it to later on, have it be a big moment, which they did, so I didn't really believe them when they said the stranger was um, Sauron. But it was a cool moment when the stranger starts revealing or remembering who he is and the power that he has when he um, when Nori gives him one of those mystic staffs and he takes hold of it and really unleashes his power. And he even sees like almost the mystics where how the ring race look what where's the one ring like kind of like that ghostly image um, where they're in the other world. Um, so it just makes me wonder who exactly they are too <laughs> as far as. Um, are they, I believe that, that world is termed like the unknown world or there's a specific name and I'm just blanking on it right now, um, where Sauron was trying to do all those experiments, uh, as Galadriel saw in episode one in that tower, all the thing he was trying to do to harness the power of, of the unseen world. That's what it is. Um, and that's how they appear to be living in the unseen world. Once, um, we got that image of like their ghostly outlines out there. So, um, cool stuff there unseen of uh, the stranger except who he is and they makes it pretty clear that um the name is tari versus the wise one or wizard <laughs> so uh, yeah but i know there's still speculation that maybe he could be a blue wizard or sour man and uh, as because the blue wizards were the only ones to appear in the second age which is this taking place on so but i just think they are changing the lore a little bit and having this be gandalf because as you mentioned that line about Whenever in doubt following, you knows that's like it made it pretty clear to me that <laughs> that's who he's shaping it up to be. So, yeah, all that was great. My one complaint that I had about it was what should have been one of the biggest moments in the story and in the season is the forging of the Rings of Power. And we got the forging of the three elven rings. And this might be because, like I said, I've been eating up so much Lord of the Rings history and lore, <laughs> watching videos from Nerd of the Rings and reading up on stuff. Just... Really getting into big moments in the history, and one of them that I really took to was how Sauron uh, manipulated be- and transformed into his like his fair form to get in with the Elven smiths to forge the Rings of Power with uh, Celebrimbor. I mean, you can kind of make the case that still happens here uh, with him being Halebrand, but uh, but it just seemed to happen too fast where um, they didn't forge the nine Rings of Men and the seven for the Dwarves, and I'm hoping that it was something that they or i'm hoping this isn't the case where they actually did forge him and we just didn't see it happen on screen i don't think we did because that's be a pretty big thing moving forward i think even though sauron's not there with kelle brimbor to forge him he'll might know how to do it and he can do it on his own and do it and give it to the nine men and then the seven dwarves um but i just really felt it went too fast where (laughs) it took years i know they couldn't do it i think it took like a few centuries to forge all those rings so i knew they couldn't spend that much time doing it in this finale but i just wanted to have sauron be a bigger part in forging the rings of power than what was shown in this episode but again we know certain liberties have to be made and things are going to go in a little different direction but i just hope that we definitely do see him forge the nine rings of men and the seven for for dwarves um, before he forges the one ring in mount doom which looks to be where he's heading off to because that was such a great ending shot of him on making his way to to mordor and to mount doom and just knowing what's gonna take place (laughs) moving forward with forging the rings so i thought it was just a great way to end the season but yeah that's my one complaint um regarding the forging of the rings is how quick it was and how sauron wasn't um part of it longer but other than that yeah just a really great finale that that wrapped up things in Season 1 and just makes you more and more excited for what's to come in Season 2.
2: They weren't forged at the same exact time, right? Like the, the Seven for Men or whatever.
1: Yeah, the Seven for Men in the drawers were kind of... Like I said, it took a few hundred years. And then yeah. once those were made... Because Sauron helped make all those rings. He actually leaves for a bit uh, yeah. with, uh, with with the rings to distribute them. But then once he left... Um, the elves, like Celebrimbor, made the three ones for the for the elves without Sauron's help. That's why he didn't have control over them, like he did the men and dwarves rings. So he really had no power over those three elven rings with the one ring because he had no part in making those three ones for the elves. They just kind of took what they learned from him and made it themselves. Which right, you know, so, kind of so is so what happens sense. here, yeah, but... Yeah. Just, done opposite. <laughs> While they were last in the source material, they're now the first ones here in the series that were forged.
2: Uh, I see. Is it is that something that happened in the Summer of
1: See, um it might be, but here's the other thing okay. too. <laughs> well, I'm just like, as I said, I'm in such a middle earth mood. I'm gonna be getting a bunch of books I haven't read before. <laughs> like the sure. Unfinished Tales I'm gonna get. Um there's gonna be The Children of Huron, which I heard is a really good one. I wanna get the book of uh, Baron and Lucian which I didn't know there was a full blown book on their story. I just thought it was kind of some like shorter short tales, like passages of them in the Silmarillion and other stories. But I just found out recently, no, there's a full blown book <laughs> that came about their stories. But I think a lot of these this stuff is going to be in unfinished tales, which I'm going to look forward to diving in, into. And I also ordered um, finally, I'm getting new editions of just the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit. It's just really nice box set of. The novel's hardcover with illustrations inside that look really nice. I ordered that uh, from Amazon earlier this week, and I should be getting it next week, and I can't wait to get that. Finally going to have some nice Lord of the Ring novels to have on display instead of my old uh, paperback ones that are really worn down now (laughs) and are just not that nice looking because they came out when Fellowship of the Ring was the only movie out, and so the covers are just screenshots taken from Fellowship. So even on the Two Towers and Return of the King books, they're just images from the Fellowship of the Ring movie, which I feel don't represent the books as they should.
2: <laughs> I'm surprised uh, you specifically don't have a nice copy of, uh, uh, the, Lord of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and uh, The Hobbit.
1: Yeah, that's been something that's been bugging me for a while, but I finally decided yeah. to do something about it <laughs> and get a nice copy. Must have been expensive. Yeah, it was... For the whole set, it was like a hundred bucks.
2: <laughs> wow,
1: jeez! I was like, well, now's the time to do it.
2: Yeah, well, at least they they
1: look nice. Exactly, uh, they're going to be more for display than anything, <laughs> too. Yeah, I was of gonna course say, you're not
2: going to actually read them, are you?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm going to flip through them and look at the illustrations in there, but other than that, I was like, I don't think I'm going to read read all of them like that. Plus, I think we talked about this on the last episode, but how the audio with Andy Circus are out there now and I really yeah. want to listen to those
2: <laughs> you really need to listen to those they, they're really good like I, I just finished uh the two towers one mm-hmm. and yeah it's really good uh, there's uh there's a lot of people on there uh on like uh again audible um uh, or the yeah, they're all the uh the audible page that are complaining about like some of his pronunciations, I guess. Really? <laughs> uh but um I don't know. I, I didn't have any problem with it. I, I mean it's semi Smith's <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, token purists are gonna problem, find a problem with a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so but I you guess know,
2: I I sorry. I no, go ahead, had Jack. a yeah, I had a theory about um You know how, like, people were complaining that there's a, you know, there's a black elf or a black hobbit or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, being racist. I had a theory where uh, I I was thinking, well, of course they have a problem with it. Because, like, that's what Tolkien writes about. You know, these conflict between races. Except this is, like, real, right? Mm -hmm. Real racism, right? The dwarves don't like the elves. The elves don't like the dwarves nobody seems to like the the, the men, and the hobbits are just kind of there, right? Uh, so, like, I don't know, it, it kind of explains it, right? Because that's what Tolkien writes about.
1: Yeah, that's why it's, it's so stupid words these people are complaining about that where, like, they're just missing the whole point of what Tolkien's trying to say in the yeah, story. Exactly. <laughs> these exactly. Different races coming together, working together, some that never liked each other, but for the great of the world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I see. It's their uh, loss.
2: <laughs> well, so, overall, I I really liked uh, the Rings of Power. Um, there were there's a couple of complaints, like I like I mentioned with the um, sort of aimlessness at the beginning, mm-hmm. because you know you, you have a giant, you know, you you have a giant red herring. In the, in the story with um, Sauron and Homer. And so you have to kind of write around that, but like, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it overall.
1: Yeah, me too. So, uh, I thought it got off kind of, to a kind of a slow start. I enjoyed it, but didn't love it in the first few episodes, but it really found its footing at, in the middle episodes and just kind of took off from there leading up to a great finale. So um, If I were to score it, I would give it a solid four out of five.
2: Yeah, I would give it a four out of five, too. Yeah. Um, also, quick question then. So, these mystics, right? Mm. They're like otherworldly beings or they're transcendent beings, right? How did they get it wrong, Sauron? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> how, how does that happen? You know, it's like you can see. I mean, you're this enlightened being, but you pick the wrong guy. You know. I mean, I guess that 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 goes to show like how strong Sauron
1: is. I guess. Yeah, just that's the thing. We don't know too much about them. Like, where did they come from? What are they actually yeah. about? Were they actually servants of Sauron before? Because if they were, then that really makes them look bad. Or they're just right. like a cult following word. They believe in his ideals and purposes, but they don't they didn't necessarily serve under him or anything like that. And that's how they got it wrong. So not sure. Yeah. I wonder if we'll find out more about them later in season two?
2: Is that is that is that something they made for the show or is that like something that I think so? Me? As oh. far as
1: I know, I think that's their new creations for the show. Uh, I see.
2: I see. You know, who would know is uh, Nerd of the Rings. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Without question. <laughs>
2: I didn't see
1: any videos on them, so... Same yeah. here, so that <laughs> makes me think <laughs> that they're probably new, new characters created. Right. So, yeah. Rings of Power, Season 1, big thumbs up. Can't wait for Season 2, which just started filming, I believe, last week. But I think we still might be a couple of years off, given how big a production is, so maybe not till 2024 I think we might be seeing oh, Season 2. Great. Which is going to be okay. a long wait. Which It's
2: going to be I, the new... Uh... It's gonna be the new Black Adam, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> that movie's been in production for like twenty, almost twenty years, right?
1: Yeah. And was that twenty years worth it? You'll find out in a few minutes in this episode.
2: <laughs> oh. oh, we'll see, we'll see. Um, I'm gonna but, say yes. I'm gonna say yes because The Rock is in it, and mm-hmm. The Rock is sort of like the charismatic guy, and it'd yeah, really, like, as long as you, as long as you let
1: him be himself, right? you know exactly yeah, yeah. like you, you almost can't go wrong with having a good time with the rock involved <laughs> sure sure even even
2: if the movie is is not that good you know you can still enjoy the rock in it
1: exactly is that the yeah. case stay tuned <laughs> sure but before that i mean unfortunately i think another show we're gonna have to be waiting a long time for season two is going to be house of the dragon because i have been hearing things that right. it's looking like a 2024 Uh, release date for season two as well which is kind of a bummer and i'm sure we'll be feeling that even more when we see the finale tomorrow because that's recording this podcast on the saturday afternoon um we just saw the penultimate episode last week and the finale is already here which is again hard to believe that it's been 10 weeks (laughs) since the series started but here we are and boy talk about a series that doesn't skip a beat and just feels like it's better and better with each episode it's house of the dragon uh these last two episodes were great in particular i felt episode eight just might have been my favorite of the season and boys are just setting up for not only what should be a great finale but just moving forward in the story of the dance of dragons i just cannot wait to see it all unfold even though i know certain things that happened over the course of the story i think they're going to be switching things up as well to still have it be a a bit of a surprise for those who know what happens who either red fire or blood or just kind of know the story and history by watching the history and more videos like i have but i cannot wait to see it all go down these last two episodes like i said have been fantastic i really really liked episode eight where um it pretty much dealt with uh, it was the death of viserys and just his final days and it was just great to kind of see what could have been if the family's got along, the greens and the black, that dinner table scene, obviously there was a lot of tension there, um, but there was that moment after Viserys gave that emotional speech about just wanting the families to let whatever issues they had in the past be done with it and move forward, as he said, their family. It's how important that was to him, and you kind of see Alicent and Renera kind of bury the past and try to become friends again and move forward um, at the by the time they were done with that dinner even though their children were, weren't seeing it that way um, which is going to be the main cause of all <laughs> of the dance of dragon war starting but you just kind of i just like how you kind of got a glimpse of how peaceful it could have been if the families resolved their issues and you didn't have to worry about the whole line of succession and who should sit on the throne so it was just kind of a good like calm before the storm and just—it's going to make it more heartbreaking i think when you actually see the families at war I'm um, Starting, I think, with this finale and then moving in future seasons, too. And just what a great performance uh, for, like, you know, the actor's name. I apologize. We played Viserys, though. He just was fantastic in this episode, being in his last days, feeling very sickly. Um, but that moment where uh, they're trying to decide the line of success or, yeah, trying to decide the line, not the line of succession, but who's going to rule uh. Uh, the drift mark Um, and once he comes in and enters the throne room there's and he just makes his walk up there just knowing this is probably gonna be the last time he'd be sitting on the iron throne and he wants to make sure he goes there and sits on it as the king and he just can't do it as he gets close to the steps and he just falls and damon is the one who helps him up and puts the crown back on his head after knowing everything they went through in the earlier episodes uh, where Damon one, thought he was going to be the next one in line uh, to take the throne as his brother and uh, being cast out and to see here kind of just help his brother just one last time, put the crown on him. I just think was a really impactful, powerful moment for them. And it was just great performances all around. It, that episode just hit all the right beats as far as establishing where these characters are at during that moment. And just make it, like I said before, it's going to make it that much more tragic when we see the outcome of this war that is about to happen between them. That episode was just brilliantly done.
2: Well, it's not only that, it's also the fact that, you know, um, Otto is sort of coming into his own, especially with the the, uh, ninth episode. Oh, yeah. uh, The Green Green Council, right? It's like, wow, he's a fast mover. And I, I didn't expect this from, I mean... You can kind of see it coming. I kind of didn't expect him to move that fast, you know. But um, yeah, he has a really good incentive uh, to want his his grandson grandson on the throne, and also to get even with um, Renera for uh, convincing her, her father to to get rid of him. So yeah, I didn't expect him to move that fast. Though. But like you said. Um, Especially the yeah the 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 eighth episode is definitely the best one we've seen so far, particularly the ending with the misinterpretation yeah. of the uh, the the prophecy mm. of Aegon. Um, that just made me so sad. Uh, it's it, it was just so sad to see that uh, that um. Allison is misinterpreting this, this thing that was supposed to be for, for Renera. And, you know, the series thought he was talking to um, um Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's really, you know, the sort of fatal wound in, in all of their, um, in this whole storyline, you know, where things change. And um, yeah, we definitely saw it in the,
1: in the ninth episode yeah, it's like uh oh, saris if only <laughs> you just yeah. kept your mouth shut for a little bit longer <laughs> that one moment they could have avoided this whole thing because it's still at that moment like i said renera and Allison were ready to move on and maybe try to mend things to become friends again and looks like she was gonna kind of accept that Renaro is the heir that the saris wanted to obviously he named her the heir early on and she was going to see that through because that's what he wanted and i did like too in episode nine where they just didn't make allison just a flat out villain wanting to get her son on the throne no matter what the cost and just take out whoever's going to be in her way because she was really reluctant and was appalled when her father was ready just to send knights out there to dragonstone and kill Renera and her family um just so there wouldn't be no one to threaten aegon's rule but yet she didn't want any part of that and still even though, obviously, things aren't the way they were between Manera and Allison, she still kind of, she doesn't want her to die, still kind of views her as, or as a friend during this moment. Like I said, they left on good terms in episode 8, but obviously things are going to go down differently later on, but I did like how in that episode 9, they just didn't make her out like a flat-out villain or tyrant, just wanted to see her son on the throne eliminate all competition. That's more what her father wants, um, as we saw <laughs> what he wanted to do, but, and that ending in episode nine <laughs> talk about the coolest king coronation ceremony ever <laughs> visually. I was, I mean, they were hinting at that when she knew they were going to the dragon pit, uh, but I wasn't sure if they're going to do that, but man, just having, uh, her <laughs> knees come out on her dragon to interrupt that ceremony visually, it looked great. And I know it kind of sparked a lot of debate online. It's like, why didn't she just say the magic words, Drakara, It just, kill all of them right then and there (laughs) the upcoming war can have been avoided but i think they kind of made that point in the conversation she had with allison uh before to you know obviously there's still family there and kind of like one mother to another mother protecting uh their children she just couldn't go through with it maybe we'll get a more reason in episode 10 or maybe she won't i don't think she'll reveal that to (laughs) uh, ranera and damon i'll at that moment but maybe we'll get some type of insight later on why she didn't decide to kill them all right then and there but it was still a great triumphant moment um for her character um knowing that uh, before what she went through being over uh looked as to become the queen of westeros for viserys and now someone else is threatening or taking away the rule of another would-be queen of westeros with aegon being on the throne instead of uh ranera so she definitely made it her presence known in that moment Of <laughs> was like it's not going to be easy uh or just a simple to put an aegon on the throne without any repercussions so obviously as we're going to get to in the 10th episode but what a great way to <laughs> end of that moment and that episode would just visually just looked awesome yeah i
2: saw i, I saw the same thing online or i was like How or live a life, but then you know, like she's a mother, and she was denied the uh, the right to sit on the throne, and you know, th- there's some sort of connection there, no matter how how wrong it may be. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a connection, and um, yeah, like I I really liked how you said it. Kind of didn't make Allison, uh, the, the the sort of bad guy she she wanted to see her son on on the throne to fulfill the uh, misinterpreted prophecy right
1: yeah that's her main reason for doing it yeah
2: yeah but she she wants to do it her way she doesn't want to do the father's way which is hanging traitor what he assumes to be traitors you know that don't want to bend the knee right yeah Uh, and
1: i don't know like
2: I, i I don't know if Maybe you know because you know A uh, Song of Ice and Fire better, but this is going to change, right? It's going to change really quickly where she she's going to essentially turn into her father, right?
1: I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: with uh, that guy I can't, in that weird scene, Tim. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I can't remember the guy's name. Um,
1: I think it's Laris. Yeah. Uh,
2: Laris? Is it? Yeah, okay. Laris, um... Yeah, that's gonna change
1: pretty quickly, right? Yeah, maybe as soon as the finale episode. Actually, <laughs> I think we might. Yeah, there's gonna uh, be some because the preview that we got for the finale. Um, knowing what happens, there's gonna looks like there's gonna be a big moment that happens in the finale that's gonna really be a turning point to how the families deal with each other. I will say. <laughs> that's all I'll say about it right now.
2: I think uh, one of one of the uh, brothers or sister of uh, of Aegon is going to die. Mm. But I don't know. Yeah, I, we'll I don't want to. to be spoiled. Too.
1: Sure, yeah, I won't say that. But you, in the trailer, you did see that shot of like the dragon flying in the rain. Yeah, that that's such a great visual, and I. I'm pretty sure I know what that moment is, and it's gonna be make for yeah a big moment in the finale, which should look pretty awesome.
2: How do you know so much about Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire, not about Lord of the Rings? Then,
1: like I said, it's I think the history they had for it for Game of Thrones is, is a little more easier to digest as far as time periods and like mm. important characters were the middle earth history is so big and massive that <laughs> there's, I mean, yeah. there's thousands upon thousands of years to kind of that there is to dive into and learn about, which I'm slowly want to get into more of. Like I said, when I get those books, I'll probably start to have a better understanding and knowledge of that history. But I just think the song of ice and fire one is a little easier to digest than the middle earth history into cons- or yeah. to consume, I should say. Uh, I see. It's more accessible. Exactly. Yeah. Um,
2: you know, I, I honestly can't believe that Viserys died. You know, he—he's was—it—it it looked to me he was on death's door in the first couple of episodes, and then he—he he died in episode eight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's kind of hard to believe because, I mean, I don't know how he didn't die in the first couple of episodes with <laughs> the um. It- or especially with the time shift, I, I was I was honestly surprised to still see him alive.
1: Yeah, he was he's a survivor. <laughs> he was someone who didn't kick over easily. And yeah. uh Patty Considine, that's the actor's name who played. Patty the Considine. Series. Yeah, I mean, he just yeah, did such yeah. a great job in that episode. Fantastic. Yeah, I can't wait
2: for this uh finale. Or maybe maybe um yeah, I I I, I can't wait
1: for this finale Tim. Same here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It should be one that should be both satisfying in the story and action scale, I think, and just getting you more excited for what's to come later on. And like I said, just make the wait harder for season two if it is going to be, in fact, <laughs> not until 2024. Yeah, yeah
2: oh, and not till 2024. You, you know what I like about this, this show, Tim, that they have dragons in it, and like that there's not that complaint. Well, how did they get through? From- there to there so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, they just flew on dragons, you know, continuously. They yeah. didn't stop off at you know, um, yeah, they, 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 there, was, there was no drift mark uh, stop off for a few hours to get the connecting flight to <laughs> King's Landing, right? The next boat ride, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see. I, I, pretty confident house of the dragon will stick the landing with its finale for the first season and if so it would just make it just an amazing season which we'll definitely talk about on our next episode once we see it but i cannot wait
2: yeah uh tim you are now known as uh uh nerd of the thrones
1: nerd of the thrones
2: <laughs> or nerd of thrones yeah
1: i'll take that esteemed title nerd of thrones okay <laughs>
2: I, I do have one small little criticism, Sam. What's that? It's Misaria, the white worm. Okay. That accent is so bad. <laughs> it, it it makes me cringe every single time. I mean, I, I've, I've seen that, that actress in um, another show before called uh, Devs on Hulu. And she's a good actress. And I don't know why they made her do the French accent. Is is that like a oh she's from you know French version of uh, Middle I mean not Middle Earth uh, uh, Westeros <laughs> Westeros you know
1: maybe <laughs> I don't
2: know. it's it, it's a really bad French accent but it
1: uh, it could be, yeah. it could be a little distracting I know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> and it, it. It, it yeah. Uh, it's a choice I guess about <laughs> the show wanted to make for that character
2: yeah so also we need also we need some more Jason Lannister
1: <laughs>
2: I don't know why I don't know how he fits into the story but just because his name is Jason yeah
1: it's <laughs> <laughs> one of the more common names you're going to get in the Game of Thrones show <laughs>
2: yeah I mean it's right up there with Rhaegar or Mysterious or Renara. And
1: then you have a Jason. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I, I guess he had a Ned, right? He had a Ned. And had yeah, that Christmas, was more of a nickname,
1: so. though, because his name was Eddard. Uh, so. Yeah, true. Yeah. John. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, that's that, that the basic one,
2: yes. Yeah, but he that that was sort of the name they gave him because he was a bastard, right? Or uh, was assumed to be a bastard, so... <laughs>
1: hmm. Well, wait, we finally got a Tim in Star Wars, though, so <laughs> in Andor.
2: Yeah, fortunately, Tim, Tim was a great portrayer
1: exactly of, so. all
2: of, I, of all of Andor.
1: I know, I was so disappointed. Like, we finally get a Star Wars character named Tim, and it's this guy. I like,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw that tweet, and give me a good chuckle. Just, <laughs> you're uh nerd of the Star Wars, Tim. That's your YouTube game channel.
1: How about Nerd and of the Force? Nerd, of the,
2: Force, right? that is Nerd of the right? Nerd of Force. Um, you know, you're the biggest Star Wars fan I know. And finally they that there's a character named Tim. And he is a great betrayer of the people. You know, and
0: yeah.
2: even though he, he tried Tim, he tried to, you know, make make it right. It's just he ended up dead.
1: Yeah, and it's Needless, way too. Like, what do you think was going to happen if you just start running and charging towards those (laughs) those soldiers? They they just shot him, of course. Good job, Tim.
2: (laughs) Uh, Why couldn't that character be better and smarter?
1: (laughs) Or just give a a trooper named Tim. I would have been happy with that. A clone trooper named Tim or a death trooper named Tim. That would have made me Yeah, and then...
2: Gets immediately dispatched. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> he's not. like the first guy through the through the door and gets a, gets shot. <laughs> uh, still, no Dane though. I don't think so, right?
1: No, but we know there's one in Game of Thrones. We know yeah. there's one of the MCU now, played by a yeah. Game of Thrones actor. <laughs> yeah, my favorite there's, actor. There's that one random thug character in a Batman comic that he got taken out named Dane. I can't remember the issue. I remember talking about it. Yeah, I
2: remember that, too. My favorite thug of uh, Batman comics. Oh, Um, yeah. Nothing in Star Wars just yet. Nothing even close, right? Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, nothing even close,
1: right? Yeah, nothing's coming to mind, but... I, I do read the comics, so I'll be sure to let you know, Dane, if there is some random character that just is named Dane. I'll be sure to send you a screenshot of that yeah, name. Being please.
2: Spoken. Please send me a screenshot so that I can uh, bask in the glory of the, the greatest character in Star Wars.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see who's better. That char- that potential future character named Dane or Tim from Andor?
2: <laughs> yeah. He um, can't be a betrayer. He has to be a pure hero. Um... <laughs> Or at least if he, if he is like uh like Star Wars version of Tim, he was kind of right. <laughs> um, no,
1: I guess um, from a certain point of view.
2: <laughs> yeah, from a certain point of view, he was correct. <laughs> but yeah, um, I forget where we were. We got distracted <laughs> with, uh, with yeah. the great betrayer Tim.
1: Yeah, a positive note to end our. Game of Thrones discussion, or House of Dragon discussion on. Betrayer from another yeah. TV show. Because <laughs> 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 there will be betrayals, I'm sure, in House of the Dragon coming out. I think that's a guarantee. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. It's, uh, it's death, taxes, and betray betraying, and uh, then uh, Song of Ice and Fire. It Things the only you can characters. count on. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, so the last few weeks of awesome tv shows is kind of winding down there's only two left for this week and house of the dragon but next week there'll all be one which is andor <laughs> but it was awesome getting all these shows on a weekly basis this consuming all this nerdy stuff has been awesome but we also got a nerdy comic book movie to come out this week <laughs> um but hey, you
2: tim before you get started on that um I was just thinking about, um, Hugo Weaving, right? Okay. We, we were just talking about, uh, Rings of Power and uh, Lord of the Rings and stuff. Is he the only one besides Carl Urban to have like multiple franchises? You know, he has the Matrix.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He has Lord of the Rings and he has the MCU. Yeah. Right. Carl Urban has Star Trek, Lord of the Rings. And, uh, uh, the boys.
1: boys. And he was even yeah. in uh, Thor Ragnarok, so he has MCU ties as well.
2: MCU ties, yeah. right. So Carl Irvin has four.
1: Oh, don't forget Dread too.
2: Uh, Dread, yeah, but there hasn't really been... But that's not a uh, franchise, yeah,
1: you're right. Yeah, it's it's, not a, it's a movie. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So Carl Irvin has four, Hugh, Hugh, Hugo Weaving has three. Can you think of another person that has three or four um, major franchises? Hmm.
1: Okay. Cate Blanchett did have Indiana Jones. She was in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as the main villain. Okay. It's two. Lord of the Rings. She was in uh Thor Ragnarok as well, so she's yeah. sure. Uh Elijah Wood, he was he did a voice in the animated show Star Wars Resistance, so he does have he's a part of Star, Star Wars. Wars. So he yeah, has too. Lord
2: of the Rings. Sin City. He was in that? Yeah, he played in like a serial killer. Okay. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, Sean Bean, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. Ah. Oh. Uh, Silent Hill. <laughs> <laughs> i to say he was he something else. Was. Oh, Bond. James Bond. He was part. He was in yeah. James Bond. Yeah. And then Dominic Monaghan. He was in uh, Wolverine, X Men Origins. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I
2: see the, um, yeah, the one in Lost.
1: Yeah, Lost right? too. So, uh, yeah, of course, Ian McKellen uh, as Magneto, so he has two ah, big ones. Yeah, McKellen. Liv Tyler's and in the Chris- MCU too. She was in the Incredible Hulk. Uh, Ian McKellen and Christopher Lee, right? Oh yeah, Christopher Lee is the other big one. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, but oh, I think so- Hugo. I think Carl Urban wins, though. He has the most.
2: Yeah. He has Star Trek under his belt. He's got the MCU. He's got uh, the boys. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I will definitely put him the winner. Uh, Yeah. And he's he's great in everything that he's in. (laughs) I think he's such an underrated actor. Especially in
2: Thor Ragnarok. (laughs) He's so funny in that. Like, I didn't expect him to be that funny. I know. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, well, yeah, well, The Rock, right? Yeah, the, the Rock has franchises, right? Like the
1: hmm. he has a Jumanji, Jumanji, The Mummy. Was
2: there more than one? Was there more than yeah, one? Yeah, they made one? two
1: of them. Both of them were funny, too. Okay. Uh, I actually like really like yeah. both of them. Okay, so Jumanji, uh, what was the other one? The Mummy, The Mummy, now Black Adam. That's- Black Adam. Oh, that's right. right, Fast and the Furious. He's in Fast and the Furious. Those movies.
2: We'll see anything with Vin Diesel in, right? Vin Diesel yeah. has Fast and the Furious and uh, the MCU.
1: That's true. Yeah.
2: But anyway, uh, The Rock, Black Adam. Did you like it too? Let me. I. Uh, let me make a prediction.
1: Okay. Yes. Let me make
2: a prediction. What's the? You. You you liked it but you didn't like most of
1: it <laughs> kind of close uh, i'd say okay. pretty close uh, yeah it's to me it's a it's a middle ground movie i didn't absolutely love it i didn't hate it i enjoyed it i enjoyed most of it um going into it um i was just excited to see you know obviously black Adam, on the main character see his story told on screen and just seeing the justice society on screen as well, at least certain members of it. Um, number one that I was most excited for being Dr. Fate. And those aspects did not disappoint. I mean, the movie, the story, it was fine for what it was. I did like some of the things they were trying to tell as far as you know being a hero versus an antihero type thing where the city of con or yeah the country of conduct um where they view black adam as their ancient hero, their savior and they make a point because they're being controlled and ruled by criminal organizations like Inner Gang. Inner Gang is pretty much the main threat and villain in uh, a villain organization in this movie. And when the, once the Justice Society um, go to conduct to stop Black Adam or to take him prisoner, um, one of the main characters, um, her name is Adriana, um, her, her family, her son, and her brother are like three of the main supporting cast members, which I'll just say right off the bat wasn't the strongest aspect of the movie um she was fine and she eventually her character uh, she becomes uh pretty much black adam's queen isis and from she played a major role in the new or not in the new 52 but the series 52 but so i remember that's like the main or my first main black adam story i read um once 52 was going on so that's kind of a lot of where my history comes from um but like her her son and her brother, they were kind of like the weakest aspect. There weren't great performances, especially her son. I mean, I don't want to i hate to get all like child actors, but he wasn't great. And the character who played her brother was there for the comic relief, but the comedy didn't really hit um, for me anyway. So that was kind of the weaker aspects of the movie. Um, but as far as her character, going back to the point I was making regarding heroes, she was called out the Justice Society. I mean, we've been she tells them we've been here uh, under control by the criminal organization Intergang, and you guys don't do anything about it. but yet, once our um, our champion, our hero from our history comes uh, to liberate us because Black Adam has already taken down several members of intergang uh, before the Justice Society shows up. she's all he comes here to help save us, and that's when you guys come uh, to help us out. Like are you really being heroes? and because Black Adam doesn't see himself as a hero, but he's actually helping the city of conduct. And of course, he's doing it in a brutal way, and that's why the Justice Society has to stop him. So those elements I do like, the story elements I did like, and the themes they're trying to play with, but by the time it got to the end, it didn't really stick the landing. Um, I really enjoyed the first two acts of the movie, but the third act, it kind of fell apart. It actually left a lot to be desired, in my opinion. And I guess I'll throw it out now, some spoiler warnings, um, as I'll be talking about some of my favorite and least favorite things about the movie. But um, the stuff I was going there to see, I mean, I wasn't expecting, you know, the next Dark Knight or <laughs> Endgame Infinity War, my top tier comic book movies. Um, I was just going in for some fun action with Black Adam and the Justice Society. And I got that in the first two acts of the movie. Seeing the Justice Society and their fight with Black Adam was awesome, especially Dr. Fate. Seeing his costume was amazing. Pierce Brosnan was great in the role. His, his voice when he had the helmet on was really cool. His powers on display. It was just great. Then you had Hawkman, um, uh, played by Aldous Hodge. As I'm I'm not going to lie. I just have the idea, IMD page up because I'm not familiar with a lot of actors in the movie besides Dwayne Johnson and Pierce Brosnan. Uh, but I want to give the actors their due here. Um, and you had Noah Sentino as Adam Smasher and Quintessus Window as Cyclone. They were your four major um, members of the Justice Society. And all of them had their moments. Cool action beats Adam Smasher um his costume looked great i loved his costume from the comics and they did a great job translating it on screen he was kind of the more he was the young inexperienced new member of the justice society um and he was fine i liked him but my one thing i can't help but shake he i felt they tried to make him too much like a spider-man from captain america civil war where he's joining a team for the first time he's making mistakes and just even some is the way he talked and uh the way you would kind of talk too much and kind of annoy Hawkman, kind of like spider-man annoyed a little tony stark a little bit in that i just got major advice from that where they're trying to play on that aspect of the that inexperience of the character just felt a little too familiar uh, for how spider-man was portrayed in civil war but yet um his main counterpart in marvel would be ant-man because adam smasher grows super tall and big just as ant-man did in civil war so Uh, But I found it more a comparison to be for Spider-Man, ironically. But Adam Smasher was, like, visually, it was cool. Just seeing him uh, try to take down Black Adam and subdue him, just by being so gigantic. Just seeing all their powers on display to take on Black Adam which is made for an awesome action sequence. And Black Adam, too, his the way The Rock portrayed him, I thought, was really, like you said, The Rock just has that charisma that he brings to all his roles. And it was a more serious uh, uh, role for the, The Rock than the stuff I've seen him, where he does more uh, comedic stuff. Uh, but he still has uh, his comedic timing when he uh, tries to be make sarcastic remarks so serious. <laughs> but uh, so his portrayal for Black Adam I thought was really good and the way they handled his powers, there's some really cool action sequences in the beginning where he's taking down inner game. Just a I'm not the biggest fan of slow motion action beasts. I think they've been done to death, but there is a cool one here in Black Adam, where he takes down all these inner gang soldiers that made for a really cool sequence. A little similar to the Quicksilver one in X-Men Days of Future Past, but done differently enough and a lot more brutal, too, and which made for a cool sequence. So all between the first two acts, I was eating all the DC Comics nerd stuff <laughs> quite a bit. I was just having a blasting, all that stuff uh, happened on screen. But when it got to the third act, I felt it went into some familiar superhero movie trope that i kind of hope we moved on from it just felt a little too safe because there's this object this crown um that harkens back to the king that ruled over um black anim and his people in conduct uh thousands of years before and where he was a slave and they changed his origin a little bit here where um they made it in the movie it made it played out where he was a boy he stood up to the king and he was going to be executed for it. But before he was executed, he got taken away by uh, the wizard council. Um, obviously that we know from Shazam and they gave him the power of Shazam uh, like they did in the Congress because they found him worthy to do it. Um, and so they kind of play it vague where he destroyed, destroys the king. And it's like, Oh, he got buried, but it gets revealed. No, the wizards um, felt he used his powers. He abused his powers and he was too dangerous to be kept around to use them. And so they locked him away, kept him prisoner. That's all you know, true to the comics because he did abuse his power. But what the reveal was is that it was actually Black Adam's son who um, was the one they bestowed the powers of the Shazam on. And because he was taking down the king and his men, the king went after his family and they killed his mother and they mortally wounded his father. And then when uh, Black Adam's son goes, goes to see him as with the powers of Shazam, He transfers his powers to his father uh, to heal him and to obviously save his life. And once he did that, his son lost his power, became a little boy again, and he got shot with some arrows and he died. And so obviously that really upset Black Adam or Teth Adam, I should say. And that's where he just goes on a rampage and starts killing everyone. He takes down the king and just uses he's the one who really abuses the power. And that's where the wizards uh, imprison him. So he was the big change was that Teth Adam wasn't the one chosen by the wizards. They actually chose his son. So that was a different change. And what I'm okay with, I think it worked well uh, for the stories and played on the motivation. That's why Black Adam um doesn't see himself as a hero. He never claimed to be and never claimed to be the savior of conduct. So that's I kinda like that that what fueled his motivation more so than just being someone who's mad for being imprisoned by the wizards and just out there for revenge um you kind of saw a little growth with his character but um the thing that i wish i felt or stuck a little more closely to the conduct or comics where i mean even in the marketing for the movie they were playing it up as you know this isn't uh, he's not a hero he's he's the anti-hero this is an anti-hero movie it's not a superhero movie so to say but over the course of the third act the kind of like that typical thing where he goes on that journey where he does become a hero <laughs> like he saves Uh, The people, which is obviously, you know, he's going to do and he would do that for his for his his country of conduct. But what I felt it changed a little bit from the comics and from the character where at the end where they eliminate the main threat, he goes to sit on the throne and make it like he's going to rule just like Black Adam does in the comics and kind of what he thrives to do. But instead, he destroys the throne to make it like the, the kingdom of conduct does not need a ruler. The people are free to live their lives, free of rulers and just live for themselves. Which, I mean, that's the message they want to try to get across, but it's just something very cliche and um, of your typical superhero movie where, yeah, he goes on this character arc where he actually doesn't see himself as a hero, more of an anti-hero. He, does, he kills people, but yet he comes on this journey and he starts seeing himself more as a hero. I kind of felt they went more in that direction where I thought they could have still made it, yeah, he's not a full-blown bad guy, but yet he's still going to do... Um, in, I should say, the, see, it's kind of hard to explain because they—I didn't think they did a great job of establishing one way or the other. They made it like, yeah, he's still the antihero; he's going to kill bad people, but yet um, he's—you could still see him as this someone who's changing his ways and becoming more. He will eventually become a hero, so to speak. But um, I think it should have been where, yeah, he's going only going to do what's best for the people of conduct. He does become the ruler in the comics because he feels he's the one who should who's best to do that. I kind of wish they stuck more to that. Of his comic book origins. Because that's what makes Adam so fascinating. Like he's, he's a brutal character. But yet uh, when he rules over his people. He's someone who they believe in. And is actually a good ruler for them. In protecting them. Where he kind of in this one. It made it look like he's going to be their protector still. But yet not he's not their ruler. He's still going to let them be over themselves. So I don't know. It's just a mixed bag for me. Uh, with how they left his character at the end there. And just. The whole final act, you just got your typical monster villain. This human character who becomes a monster villain by this power of this ancient crown. It just, I thought they were weren't going to go in that direction because there was a moment where you thought he was that this villain was going to have the power and yet he gets killed. It's like okay, they're not going to go down that superhero trope. He's done away with. We don't have to worry about him. But yeah, it was his plan all along. He has to die first to become back as this big monster, uh, to rule over the city. Then he raises these zombies up. Then you get your typical cliche all those citizens of the of the cities they got to rise up and for themselves and it's just, this felt very cheesy when they start fighting these zombie monsters out in the streets while black adam and the justice society are fighting this big monster where the action in that sequence wasn't the best it was probably the weakest action sequence out of all of them in the movie so just everything about that final act from a story standpoint where it left black adam as a character and just the action not being too great um that's where the movie i kept I felt didn't deliver um, for me. And there was a cool moment with Dr. Fate where he does sacrifice himself in order to uh, bring back black Adam because the jet society, uh, they convinced black Adam to surrender himself um, and to become a prisoner and to never speak the word Shazam. Again, Uh, he goes back to his mortal form. They give him to Amanda Waller. They're going to bury him in the ocean, but Dr. Fate realizes he's the only one who can stop uh, this new monster. And, Uh, he communicates with him telepathically to break out of his uh, prison, say the name Shazam and be the one to defeat uh, this, this threat and Dr. Fate uh, ends up dying in the process. But uh, Dr. Like I said, that moment with Dr. Fate was great. So (laughs) that was the best part of this finale or final sequence. Um, But then it just became your typical, um, just generic action sequence. um, That wasn't the best. So yeah overall it was a fun time it's i'm glad i saw it in the theater because there were some great action sequences that had to be seen on the big screen especially the stuff with the jsa versus black adam so that's in the movie just another <laughs> thing that i kind of rolled my eyes at that was another typical superhero movie ending where it's like oh like what do we call you now and it's because they don't say it throughout the, the course of the movie that he just the rock gives his classic rock stare and it just fades to black, and the title Black Adam shows up. It's like, <laughs> how many times have we seen that before <laughs> with these types of movies? So again, not a huge deal, but just something that's like, uh, they're just hitting certain beats here <laughs> that, like, they're checking boxes off of certain things they want to do in this superhero movie. But, um, of course, the big thing, what well, was the worst kept secret in the world <laughs> going into the movie? And I think what most people were excited for was the post-credit scene, where the rock obviously or the rock black Adam is still in conduct looking over uh kind of the ancient throne room there Uh, so like I said he's still there not ruling but he's still staying there kind of being like a ruler but he's not again (laughs) that's why this is a mixed bag with where they left his character but Amanda Waller gives him one last chance you know uh not one last chance but gives him a warning saying if you step out of conduct and come you know more our way we'll have uh beings waiting for you or ready to see you as a threat and stop you and he's (laughs) like i said there's no one on this planet who's stronger than me and of course amanda waller says i have i can call in people not from this planet to (laughs) stop you and then that's where we get the silhouette of someone flying down with a cape there's some smoke but then he walks through the smoke you see the s and you actually see the face this time. Yes, Henry Cavill is back as Superman. And we actually hear him talk. He just goes, Black Adam, I think you now I have to have a talk. He And we hear the John Williams Superman theme, not the Hans Zimmer Man of Steel theme, which was surprising. But it still sounded great. <laughs> it had, that impact you were hoping for. Um, it was just a great moment. Because over the course of the movie, you see everyone having troubles trying to stop Black Adam. But you know, the only one who could probably be his best Is Superman And knowing that he's out there and that he is going to have a a presence in this movie version of Black Adam was great. And to see it actually um, be on screen together for the first time was pretty awesome to see and setting up what will eventually, hopefully, be the full return of Henry Cavill, not only to fight Black Adam, but just to have another Superman movie again. So that was great. Um, um, One thing, too, kind of going... Off from the movie, as far as because there is this report that came down from the Hollywood Report about the potential future plans for DC. There, as I mentioned, there's plans for a Man of Steel sequel with Henry Cavill. Um, I don't want to call it a, it probably will be a versus movie with Black Adam <laughs> eventually down the line, but it's like, let's, as cool as it was and exciting to see Henry Cavill back, with everything that's gone on, I'm still kind of cautiously optimistic about it because <laughs> how many times have we been down this road of potential upcoming dc movies that um, we could get and they never come to fruition and now we have we used to say oh let's wait till production starts and the cameras are rolling then they'll start getting excited but with the cancellation of batgirl that's not even the case where you can be fully confident that even when it's filming you'll get to see it so um there's potential for some cool stuff coming down the line especially with henry Cavill being back as superman because i mean let's face it if regardless of how you feel about the movie black adam one thing we can be grateful for and having The Rock in the role as Black Adam is getting Henry Cavill back. That all came from him. Cause I think he even said the old regime when this movie started production were dead set on not having Henry Cavill back. And I was worried because there's been rumors about Superman appearing in this for a while. And I thought we we're going to get another shazam moment where hey there's headless superman let's just pan up to see the suit but we can't show his face because we don't want to use henry cavill again that stuff is just so annoying and <laughs> just like i rather them not do it than do that so the fact that the rock was able to bring henry cavill back not only for this movie but looks like just back into the dc movie fold um for a while now as hopefully he gets another superman movie is great so if nothing else we got to be thankful for black adam <laughs> for bringing back henry cavill as superman because it was a great moment to see him back again as superman after you know it's been a while since justice league (laughs) I mean, if you don't obviously we had the zach snyder's justice league where we got to see him again but maybe for a more general audience who just remember his last appearance being in justice league which was five years ago and not many people saw that anyway um it got a great reaction in my theater and i think from other people i see online that is the highlight of the movie (laughs) that got the biggest cheer so uh, fans want him back. The Rock realized that. And uh, this, it's just cool that he championed the return of Henry Cavill so much, knowing that that's what the fans wanted to keep him as Superman, even if your movies, even if it's not going to be, you know, the quote DCEU that began with Man of Steel, just you got a great actor still in the role. Use him. still, <laughs> so, even if the timelines don't match up. And I'm glad that's what a lot of different movies are doing. Now, even if you're not in the same timeline or continuity or whatever, if there's a great actor in the role, you bring him back to play that part because it just makes total sense. Fans will get it. Audiences will get it eventually that, you know, it's not the same universe, but just a different take on a, on the same character played by the same actor. It's not that complicated. So um, even if, like I said, they decide to reset the universe, different timeline, you still have Henry Cavill in the role as Superman is going to be great. So, yeah, Black Adam – like I said, kind of a middle road comic book movie for me. A lot of stuff I liked about it. A lot of stuff I didn't like. Um, but in the end, it was a fun time at the movies seeing these great DC characters on screen for some cool action. So overall, I'm going to go ahead and give it uh three out of five.
2: Uh, Henry Cavill, also a um, pull off the trifecta, right? So uh, wait, maybe not. DC movies Mission Impossible The Witcher Yeah there you go
1: yeah 3 Let's get him in let's get him in a Star Wars movie <laughs> That would be <laughs> awesome
2: Who would he play Stormtrooper like um, Tom Hardy did <laughs> Yeah like,
1: see, I could him see him, I could see him being a Jedi I could see him actually being an Imperial officer I think he'd make a great Imperial officer But... <laughs> <So I, laughs> I think there's several of those he can do in Star Wars.
2: Well, he is British, so...
1: so see? Yeah, there you go. Imperial officer. There
2: you go. <laughs> Half your job is done already. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, that's it for my review of Black Adam and the other main TV shows you've been watching. So, I don't know, Dana, unless you got anything else to bring up or want to talk about, I think that's it for this episode.
2: Hmm, let me
1: think. Think hard. It's, good. it's going to be a full two weeks before you we can bring uh, something up again. Uh, the Gotham Knights game
2: isn't getting... Oh, get yeah. <laughs> yeah so that should I probably be...
1: Yeah, the, the fact that that's not part of our topic discussions for this episode should probably tell you I didn't get it. You probably didn't get yeah. it, Dave. <laughs> because... Nah. The reviews have not been good. Even like I said, the previews leading up to it haven't gotten me excited, and that's when I saw all the reviews come out. I was like Ugh, that's kind of unfortunately what I was expecting for this game.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad I didn't get it. Um, yeah, it's not getting good reviews. Apparently the um, the, uh, the comment isn't very good, and the story is predictable. And yeah, and it's you know we have brand new consoles, in we have the PS5, we have the new Xbox, but yet these developers can't seem to get their frame rates to 60.
1: That I mean, I'm not a game developer, but like you said, these new powerful systems, and they still having trouble. That that kind of puzzles me. <laughs> to yeah, be honest. It, it's
2: like why can't they? Doesn't make sense, right? Say so, well, why can't they? Because uh, it's it's locked at 30. Yeah. Um, the Gotham Knights game, and that was my one criticism from that first piece of footage we got from it. Um can't remember what, can't remember what it was from. Like I think it was, it was from uh, the DC E3. Fandom.
1: I think it was one that DC made it Fandom. First, from 2020, right. I believe.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was during the pandemic. And that was my one major complaint that it, was, it wasn't at 60 uh, FPS and um, uh, that it was the combat didn't look very good and the, uh, the, the glitchiness of it all. And no, it's, it really surprises me that we, we we can't get 60 FPS for for these games for yeah. these games, and we got brand new systems. It, it doesn't make any sense. Like, do you, do we have to have a a, a gaming PC? Is, is is that what it is? Right,
1: that's probably your best bet. But still, like, like we yeah. expect that's we're expecting that from these powerful consoles. Even like when we have to switch to you would want. To run it for a higher performance or the higher frame rate, right. like you can't have both on these powerful systems. That still bugs me too.
2: <laughs> yeah, why can't we have both? You know, like are, are, have the game developers already outgrown the PS5 and the new Xbox?
1: I know, right? <laughs> I and certainly hope the, not, because it's yeah, still too soon for case. a new console.
2: <laughs> if that's the case, then then. Why did they release the PS5 and the new Xbox? I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Sam. It's,
1: it's disappointing, that's darn, That's for sure.
2: Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Gotham Knights game is getting very good news. Um,
1: I mean, I'll play it eventually can... when it goes on sale. Cause yeah, that's going to be, be a pretty anyway.
2: It's going to have to be a pretty steep sale for me.
1: Yeah, like once uh, it hits... You
2: know, 20% off.
1: Yeah, like, because right now it's $70 just for the standard version right. of it. So, yeah, so if it's like 20% off, it's not going to be that much. <laughs> You're not gonna be it's going to be
2: like, it's gonna have to be like 70% off to get it or, or part
1: of the Xbox Game Pass. Thing. Yeah, that'd be yeah. nice if it was <laughs> on Game Pass yeah. Day 1. Yeah. Yeah, that was so, disappointing uh, to hear.
2: So glad I didn't uh, take the dive on that one.
1: Yeah, especially about that price point.
2: Yeah, I, I, Tim, I learned my lesson from Cyber, uh, Cyberpunk.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, that's it for me, Tim.
1: All right, then With that? I guess I'll throw it back to you, Dane, for the outro. <laughs> All
2: right. Hey, go to the Batman Universe dot net, Facebook slash Batman Universe. What Twitter handle is at Batman Universe. Tim's Twitter handle is at Tim G311. My Twitter handle is at Dean Banana. Uh rate and reviews on iTunes. iTunes doesn't doesn't exist anymore. Um <laughs> Apple uh, podcasts. Uh, Spotify. <laughs> I
1: don't even you know. know if we're on Spotify. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> um And you can email the show at uh, at, uh, at com. So with that, we can see you at the end of every single episode.
1: We love each and every one of you with all of our satisfied fantasy hearts from great finales of Rings of Power and probably House of the Dragon coming up. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys next time. See ya, everybody.